Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. to kick it off with a little bit of Jackson 5, ABC, and that's because we are here to talk about the Telluride alphabet. This is Julia Caulfield from the news team. I am hosting Off the Record this evening, and I am joined for our first segment by Jill Wilson and Abby Fox. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, And as I said, we are talking about the Telluride alphabet. It's in the title. It's an alphabet book. Can you just give a little quick summary of what is this book that you are that is coming out soon in in the coming days? Yeah, I know it's it's very exciting. It um it's been a it's been a dream for a long time, and it's it's been in my head uh, for many many years. And we're really excited that yeah, just this Sunday we're launching it out to the community, um, and it just it takes you through kind of Telluride past and present. Um, all the kind of historical aspects of Telluride, the natural aspects that make it so special, um, wildlife, and just really kind of encompasses all that Telluride has to offer. And um, yeah, we're we're very pleased with the final product. <laughs> um, taking a flip through the pages, you should be very pleased. It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it really is. It's a collaborative effort, both pictures and words. How did the two of you come together to to create or to yeah make this book, have this collaboration? Right. Well, it was Jill's idea to begin with. And I was really lucky that she contacted me about doing illustrations. I'm the lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> and we really, yeah, it was good. It was a, it was a fun collaboration. It was like a I guess kind of easy. I don't know. First book I've ever done, but I feel like working together went really, really well. And we bounced ideas off of each other and we kind of changed things as we went. And yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. It was, um, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better illustrator. We, it was just such a copacetic (laughs) process. Um, and you know, I mean, the thing was too, the majority, the majority of this happened through the height of COVID and we weren't ever really able to meet in person. A lot of our, um, the majority of our meetings were over zoom, um, or WhatsApp and, uh, You know, so it was really nice that it was so easy to work with her. You know, I kind of just gave her the list of the alphabet um, that I, the alliterative uh, letters that I had and um, ideas, and she just took it from there. And so when I I was kind of sitting around like, oh, I can't wait to see the illustrations (laughs) Um, as I was working on the writing portion and kind of formatting of the book. And so when I did kind of, when I did finally get to see the final products of a lot of the illustrations, it kind of changed, morphed my writing a little bit too. I kind of played off of her illustrations as well. So it was just a, couldn't have asked for a better partner. Thanks. <laughs> it's it's good that I like her. <laughs> we were friends before this and I think we'll be friends after it. So yeah. that's good. It's solidified. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, how you want it to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so that was something that I was curious about. And you just touched on it a little bit, but kind of the chicken egg element of like, did the words come first? Did the drawings come first? How did that? Can you explain yeah, a little bit more yeah. on that? Um, the words came first. Um, you know, I've mentioned in like some of the interviews before that uh, that it came to me in a dream it really like you know it was an idea but one night um it was an idea that I had but really just one night I woke up and all the letters in the alliterative nature of the letters like 
astonishing Ajax and booming bridal veil, they, they all just hit <laughs> at once. And, um, I could not go back to sleep. I just kept going through all the letters in my mind. And uh, so I had to sit, like write them down. And that was the only way I could like, ah, okay, I got it out, you know? And it, it was a while <laughs> after that, you know, until I approached Abby, like it was just kind of brewing and stewing. And, um, and then I approached Abby and I was like, man, you, you I think you should illustrate this. I think this would be really fun. And yeah, it was, and it was really good timing. I had just come off of like a year of traveling and I had had sketchbooks with me and I'd really been getting back into drawing as opposed to printmaking. And so I was kind of like in a space to do that. And then it was COVID. And so I spent many months at my kitchen table (laughs) drawing the illustrations for this. It was great. Um, Oh, and another thing I was thinking is like Jill, yeah, came up with the alphabet. And when I was thinking about doing illustrations, I didn't want it to be kind of singular. I didn't want to just do what the letter was. I tried to combine a bunch of other things. So like the rainbow page also has popcorn alley Mm -hmm. and the Columbine page also has pollinators. Mm -hmm. Like I tried to have some more elements and I think, is that part of what you meant by like that influencing? Yeah. Like the Columbine page, she had, you know, butterflies and uh, hummingbirds. And so I included that in, in the writing as well. And then, one in particular that really comes to mind was the vast valley floor because I got that illustration and I'm like, Abby, there are dog tracks on the valley floor. There's no dog, <laughs> dogs allowed. And she was like, no, Jill, they're lynx tracks. And I was like, well, we got to make that real clear. We yes. got to make that very clear in the, in the writing because we want everybody to know those are lynx tracks. We know we're not breaking any rules on the valley floor. So. Uh, well, and Abby, I mean, the... The illustrations are absolutely exquisite. I recognize that describing or like trying to say how amazing pictures are on the radio, (laughs) not the best medium, Um, but they are absolutely just, they're breathtaking. Uh, What's your background as an artist and as an illustrator? Yeah, I, um, I studied printmaking in undergrad and I've definitely focused a lot of my art and time on printmaking. But like I said, when I was traveling, I couldn't take heavy printmaking supplies with me. And so I just had like really small, like three by four inch sketchbooks with me. And so I was doing all this really tiny drawing work with watercolors and stuff. And partly, in thanks to the Arts District, the book came out the way it did because using some of that grant money, I was able to buy new materials that were kind of my dream materials. Um, and that, that helped it be so vibrant and colorful, which just feels like Telluride. Yeah. Yeah, we were super psyched, too, just to when we got the final product of the book in our hand. That was, what, just like two weeks ago, basically. And um, the colors came out exactly how we wanted them on the pages. And they're they're vibrant. You know, we were we were afraid that they might be a little muted. Right. Um, once, you know, we just had no idea. So, you know, I was having like anxiety nightmares <laughs> the night before that we, you know, that the book turned out all wrong or I was getting the wrong book. But, you know, we were just so happy with the final product. Product. And yeah, we really, the whole thing wouldn't have come to be really, I think, without the Telluride Arts um, small grant. Uh, we, the deadline was approaching and that's really when I, I reached out to Abby and said, let's do this. Yep. <laughs> and I think I submitted the grant at 11.59 p.m. the night it was due. And, you yep. know, we received full funding and it was amazing and we couldn't have done it without them. So thank you, Telluride Arts. Yes, yeah, for local artists. And it was good to have a deadline from them. <laughs> it so was. we had to keep it very working. Very much was. It was like, okay, you have a year. Yep. <laughs> that was good. And I think we're both very much deadline people. Definitely. And do it right up to the end. <laughs> and also, oh, this is, I, you said something that made me think this. Um, oh, about it being colorful. And we finally saw it printed and we were happy with it. Like the illustrations are scanned and put on the page and that's it. They're not like digitally manipulated Mm -hmm. or anything. Like Mm -hmm. as you see them is exactly how they're drawn. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's important to know because I don't think that's super common right now for people to like not just make digital art or at least digitally manipulate it. Well, and you said that you got to use your dream materials to to make these um, drawings. What what are those materials? Well, so I'm not even totally sure how to pronounce them. (laughs) I always thought it was Copic markers, and someone recently told me it's Copic markers. Mm. But they're really high quality, um, like archival markers, and they're refillable. And so I have like a huge set of them and it's awesome because if I use one up or I dry it out or whatever, I can refill it and not 
waste plastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's That's just amazing. I'm excited to have them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah, we touched on on the drawings, but and Jill, you said that kind of the alliterative um, headlines for each of the pages came to you in a dream. Mm-hmm. But then each page, it's not just those it's not booming just bridal veil right. or mm-hmm. um yeah. kooky coda which we'll get yeah. to but there's a there's a paragraph that goes along yeah. with um each of each of the drawings each of the letters mm-hmm. what was that process like for you for yeah creating you know, those? like when we first started thinking about it we we're we we're really going to just gear it towards kids and you know working at the library i i had a lot of times when i had, had teachers or families come in and asking for kind of historical books for kids um, about Telluride and there just really aren't that many. I mean, it it doesn't really exist. So I wanted it to be, to have a little bit more depth um, than just the letters. And I wanted it to, you know, to give some actual historical facts um, about all the things that I was talking about. And so in each one, you know, I kind of do a couple of sentences um, that explains you know, the historical nature of it. And then at the end of each paragraph, it kind of gives like a little local tip or something, you know, like with the Columbine one, you know, at the end it's like, well, see how many different colors of flowers, Columbines you can find on your hikes around Telluride or, you know, each, each one kind of has, um, you know, like a little call to action. Yeah. It's a call to action. (laughs) It's, it's great for like locals and tourists because locals will relate to it. And, um, and then, you know, it might even have tourists get excited about something that they might not know um, about in town. Um, there was, oh, the I, one of them was Notorious Nabbers, and it was talking about the, the bank robbery. And at the end of that one, it says, go check out the historical museum and gives a location and um, or the Ute um, Museum in, in Montrose. You know, so it kind of gives a little extra nudge. Um, and along with the information. So um, I really just wanted it to be well-rounded and um, offer a little bit more than just a regular old alphabet book. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and I think I, w- I was mentioning this before we got on on air as I am a, a childless adult, but like <laughs> I still want this book. And I think that that's one of the things that's really cool about it is it's something that obviously kids will be drawn to, mm-hmm. but it's also a book that I can imagine parents will enjoy getting yeah. to read to their children yeah. as well. We wanted it to be for all ages. And I feel like the illustrations are really for all ages as well. You know, it's, yeah. um, they're it's, not, they're not kitty, kitty picks. It's kind of, <laughs> and in a way it's kind of like a coffee table book. Yeah. Like yeah. I know if I went into a new town and I found this at like my rental or whatever, mm-hmm. I'd be pretty excited. Mm-hmm. I would read the whole thing. It's kind it's like yeah. a pretty good lesson. Yeah. Really. It's like a guidebook or a history yeah. book or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it has so much information. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, as I mentioned, Kodo got a shout out in the book. So, I mean, I just have to ask as we're sitting here in the Purple House on Vine. Um, why did, how did we earn the spot to be I in mean, this book? I mean, no, it was a no-brainer for me. Kay was kooky Kodo all the way, all along. Um, I'm, I'm a DJ here, too. I'm DJ Dewey. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute since I've been behind the mic, uh, but... Um, I just, it's, I mean, it's a local institution. You couldn't, you can't not mention Kodo in the Telluride Alphabet book. It is a no brainer. Right. Kodo overlaps with a lot of, a lot of like Telluride culture, I guess. Yeah. And that is really one of my favorite illustrations in the book. Abby blew my mind with that I'm biased, but me too. (laughs) I mean, I've shown friends from out of town or who know nothing about Telluride and they're like, what is this K page about? People are excited. And even some people, you know, I talk to another DJ not long ago who was saying that they were excited just because it kind of feels like it has a bunch of inside jokes yeah. sort of yeah. that yeah. page. Can like, you describe a little bit for the listening audience yes. what this page looks like? <laughs> it is the purple house on pine and above it I guess is like the moon DJ. <laughs> DJ moon. DJ moon. DJ Luna. <laughs> and then out like in the imaginary front yard is a cow and a bunch of flamingos. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. right? That's one of those things where yeah. we all say obviously. If you know, you know, it's obvious. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's music rapping all around it. And we'll talk about that song in a minute, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to ask, and I'm going to ask you to be like kind of quick on your feet because we don't have a huge amount of time. But um, Abby, I would love for you to think through if there is a page of Jill's writing 
that you really love mm. and then vice versa mm -hmm. jill what your favorite illustration is from the book i know can we just read the book real quick <laughs> no just read the whole thing it is the whole thing <laughs> I, I i do know my answer yeah. and um it's the you page the uncompagre utes and it was something jill and i talked about like the history of the area being important but also the fact that that's not just history like the people that lived here are still in the area and they're still connected and so we didn't like Jill, I thought, did a great job not just writing in the past tense. Like, it's present tense. These people still exist, and we still acknowledge them, and they're still important, valuable parts of, like, the Colorado, Utah, New Mexico community. And I just, I really appreciate that page. Yeah. It's also, like, it's, like, a, a little more, like, meat on the bones. It's not mm -hmm. just kind of fluff and cute yeah. stuff. And, it's important. Yeah, and and acknowledging the fact that they were forcefully removed. Yeah. You know, we weren't going to, like, just kind of gloss over that, you know? Um, and, and also the illustration for that one, um, you know, that that took a couple of different iterations, mm -hmm. too, and it was almost like right before print, we were about to go off, and I was um, just, I showed the picture to Diva at the bookstore, just that one, and she was like, oh! There's something in the petroglyphs that you might want to rethink. There's usually not men. Like, there's a, usually a lot of horses. And so just, like, um, you know, she took even the extra step, because I know you did a lot of research on it already, mm -hmm. but just even extra research. And I double-checked with the Ute Museum and the Historical Museum here and everything, too. But it was... Um, yeah, yeah it, we, it was a good catch. Cause, we like, wanted to be accurate. <laughs> and that's the main thing with this book. Like, I just... I don't want to offend anybody in any way, you know, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll get some constructive criticism, <laughs> <laughs> but what kind of research uh, did both of you, what kind of research did go into both the illustrations and the writing for it? I mean, there is so many different facets yeah. that, you know, I mean, because it is like wildlife and it is local historical. So, I mean, it, that's a hard answer. <laughs> like, I mean, I work at a library, so that helps. <laughs> well, um, I used the library yeah, a bunch, too. I, I was, like, that, in the Telluride room going through yeah, old photos yeah. and stuff, trying to make sure things were accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I did have all the folks over at the Historical Museum give yeah. it, like, a check over at the at the very end, right before we sent it off to the printer. So. Thanks, museum. Um, but just to finish up answering your question I think one of my favorites is the whimsical Wilsons and I'm not biased at all about the name <laughs> <Jill> Wilson, Wilson. <laughs> but um I, it also just kind of brings me back Abby made thank you cards for my um wedding and it was very it was a very similar vibe mm -hmm. um and uh she did the print the printmaking um for those and that I don't know it, it gives me that sentimental feeling the whimsical Wilsons and yeah, that just, that one makes me happy. And yep. I did the colors are beautiful and the lupines. And Thanks. One of my faves. Amazing. So. <laughs> um, I cannot believe it. We are already know, like, how did fast. it go so fast? fast. It's fast. ridiculous. We could just, I, I mean, know. literally, if we had more time, it'd be like, read the whole thing <laughs> and give a play-by-play -play of, all the, <laughs> of all the photos. <laughs> um, but, so this book is not like properly on shelves. Right. It's not. It's, yeah. Right. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. What? <laughs> What's down and get your book? Uh, July 11th, this Sunday at the Transfer Warehouse from 4 to 6 p.m. We're going to be doing our book launch. Um, we're going to have some live music with Donovan Daly Jazz Trio and some refreshments. And we'll have books for purchase there. Or if you've already purchased your book, you can pick it up there, have us sign it. Um, it's a family-friendly event for all ages, and uh, yeah, it, if you live out of town, if you're listening to this and you want to buy a book, um, basically you can buy the book at thetellyridealphabet.com, um, and you can yeah either pick it up at the launch or pick it up later, or we can ship it to you. Amazing. <laughs> We're very flexible. Yeah. But yeah, we hope you come on Sunday. There I know. People seem to we want it to be a, really a, like a community like yeah. hangout more than anything. It's it's not. I'm not going to go through and read the entire book at the lodge. It's <laughs> just going to be kind of more of a celebration and yeah. celebrating Telluride and uh, where we live and where we love and 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 writing books. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Jill Wilson and Abby Fox, thank you so much for just stopping in for yeah, get, a, get for the evening us. kicked off. Um, we have to mention what the music yeah. is. Oh, so yes. we're going to go out with a song. We're going to have a little transition music. 
And what song are we going out to and why? What? Isn't it? Is it called Space Odyssey? Space. Oddity. Oddity. Yeah. Not Odd. Odyssey. Duh. It's Space Oddity by David Bowie. I think Odyssey would work as right? well. Right? <laughs> and that's, that's the banner wrapping around the purple house on Pine yeah. on the illustration. I mean, you couldn't have picked so there's a better... David Bowie is my hero. <laughs> and Abby just that was like threw, a little, threw in that little Easter egg. egg. Yeah. It was a total little Easter egg. An Easter egg for, you heard it here. Everybody. And if you're listening to this, you know now you know. Amazing. Know. Well, thank you both so much thank for you, stopping Julia. in. We're going to go you. out with Space Oddity. And yes, if you're in town, stop by the Transfer Warehouse this Sunday, July 10th from oh, 11th. 11th. I know days of the week. Yes. July 11th <laughs> from 4 to 6 p.m. Thank you both Thank so much you. for stopping by. Thanks. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on Ten Ground control Nine. to Major Tom Eight. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to KOTO Telluride. We are here talking with local authors who 
have books newly out, have books coming out, and I am joined by Joanna Kanow. Hello. Thanks for being here, also known as Sister Seaweed on Coda. Yeah, I have a few uh, alter ego names <laughs> in this town. <laughs> um, and you recently, just this spring, a couple months ago, I guess it's been now, came out with your first novel, is yes. this correct? Yes. Called Eco Queen. Can you give a brief synopsis of what this book is? Okay. Yeah, well, this book launched on Earth Day 2021, and it's called Eco Queen. It's a female superhero with the powers to reverse climate change. And um, she just figures out that she has um, superpowers that can run to the immediate danger of the next climate event that's happening around the globe. She can teletransport through computers and um, has electrical powers in her hands and basically is helping people and communities and kids and teenagers her age and families who are in the in the direct hit of a climate disaster that's happening. Yeah. Um, it maybe seems like a kind of obvious or a question with an obvious answer, but what made you want to write this book? What spurred you into this? Okay, well, um, I have been working on um, climate issues and sustainability and, um, you know, carbon offsetting for quite a long time. And it just seems like we know what the problem is, but we can't quite get there fast enough to come up with the solutions or to, you know, combat it. It's just such a slow slog. Um, you know, some of it being the climate denial that went on for so many years, some of it being politics, some of it um, just being um, bureaucracy. And it just felt like it wasn't happening fast enough. I learned about all this stuff in college when I studied conservation resource studies at UC Berkeley 25 years ago. And they were putting out the warnings of like, if we burn this much fossil fuel, if the parts per mil, you know, particulates in the air get to 350, um, you know, we're going to, this is what's going to happen. Plants going to warm up and all these, you know, we're going to have drought, we're going to have fire, we're going to have major storms and so i was hearing this you know th that long ago and then i was like what why aren't we doing anything about this like now quickly and it's just it just hasn't happened quick enough so i was like what we need is a superhero and i'm gonna invent how to stop all this from happening fiction it's young adult fiction superhero like doesn't need to make sense doesn't need to be like scientifically backed she has the power to like do something now to reverse the fires, the droughts, the flooding, um, you know, all of it, the oil spills. And what's so crazy, when I was writing it, and it continues to be, now it's published and it's, um, and it's out there and it continues to happen, you hear what's happening in the news about any climate event. And I'm like, oh, I, talked, I wrote about that scenario and how she solved it, but, like, they continue to happen. Yeah. I mean, but on that note, I think is interesting as well is you know do you think are we at a place that we are maybe like so far gone that we actually need a superhuman a superhero to come in and save things like are we past the tipping point that we are clearly past the tipping point scientifically because uh, it's like you know as i said 350 um parts particulates in the atmosphere, they said, well, if we get beyond that, we're not going to be able to reverse climate change. And we're at like 400, and I don't know what it is now. It keeps going up, 427. We just had record-breaking heat waves in Portland and Washington and, you know, northern Canada, and which we talk about in the book also, how the Arctic and the, you know, the glaciers are melting. And she goes up there to try and help the glaciers from just, you know, falling into the ocean. And so, yeah, we totally need a superhero right now. And basically, it's either Eco Queen, it's all the kids who are alive on the planet right now can be the, you know, superheroes doing what they can do. It's any politician who's in office in power right now. It's any innovator, you know, who can come up with great innovations to, you know, help us reverse the devastating effects of climate change. So they're, you know, when I when I sign the book now, I'm like, thanks for being you know, thanks for using your superpowers. It's like everyone figuring out what they can do for this climate crisis and we can all do a little something and come together. But I do have hope 
it's been it's gone really slow and we've got ourselves into this this position that we're in now because we just we didn't act fast enough but it does feel like the wave of hope and um and innovation and action and the consciousness of the kids and the education and all of this are kind of like i feel like it's bubbling and it's coming together and yeah i i want to stay positive that we we can we can reverse this but I mean, look, we're about to do our second heat wave in Telluride. I've never been here where the temperatures have been in the 90s up at 8,750 feet. Right. So it's it's fiction in the sense of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> if you read it, it's like, oh, yes, clearly fiction. <laughs> but not in terms of fic- it's a it's a fictional aspiration that we can do something about this. Exactly. And it's it's highly uh, researched and science backed. And um, when it was edited, you know, I, I got fact checked and they changed, they checked me on all of the stats or, you know, numbers or uh, claims that I put out there. And what was interesting is some of those even changed because it took me a while to write the book and I would look up, you know, oh, like what the min... Uh, spoiler alert but like one of the the kind of her kryptonite is the coltan which is the material that we have in all touch screens which is mined in the congo um and um you know so i was looking how many um how many iphones are produced or are sold a day and i put that number in there and when they fact checked me uh it was much higher than i mean you know it's just like it's it's happening exponentially and so yeah i had to keep up with the science and how it's changing and i would look up like what was the you know what was the biggest hurricane ever and and then the next biggest one took its place the one that i put in and then you know what was the worst wildfire in history and then suddenly that's happening in real life and i would have to go back and change and keep up to date with the biggest climate events that were happening and they just keep getting worse and worse so i had to be like i need to finish this and get it you know get it done and published so um you know i don't have to keep up with the next biggest one and change everything um on that note what was as as we mentioned this is your first novel that you've written what is that process like what is you know writing a book okay well let's see uh so it took me a total of eight years and i really started writing um when we were having a health crisis in our family and um i had to stop working for a while and it was like therapy i was like well if i'm gonna be at home and um i'm not working i'm gonna just write this story that's in my head so it started that way and then it took a life of own. like i created a monster and i just kept going back to it and kept writing and the story kept going and then more climate events kept happening and um yeah, so just I kept working and kept working. I would take like summers off. It'd be my wintery, like I loved blustery weather days to write, you know. And um, yeah, I was just being really tenacious. I wanted to just let it go. I wanted it to just be a process, but it just took on this life of its own and the story kept evolving. And then I had gotten so many pages in and then it was like COVID and I'm at home again and I'm like, now is the time to finish this. I don't want this to just sit in my uh, drawer. You know, I just, I didn't want it to be a story that I spent all this time on and then just be done. So I really wanted to get over the finish line and get it into a book. So that was this last year that I did the final edits and, you know, worked with this team to put it together with the illustrations and the editing and uh, getting it up on Amazon and everything. And um, yeah, it was a long process. I, I think I say, besides raising my kids, uh, this is like one of the longest, uh, you know, efforts I've, <laughs> the, the most heart I've put into anything in my life. What did it feel like when you opened that box or got that, got to hold that first copy in your hand? Honestly, um, it it was I didn't like celebrate I don't know I had this like reverse reaction and and now that I have the books and they're getting into bookstores all over the place and they're getting into schools um I have to go from like me hiding behind my um computer in my awesome loft office looking into trees where you know a safe place that I like that was also very therapeutic to like out in the world and getting it out there and um, you know, making connections and meeting 
people in indie bookstores. And um, so it's like this whole other side of it that I have to get used to being more of an out person of like marketing myself. But I got to say that the um, the reception and the support from this community in Telluride has been awesome. You've already talked about it here on Kodo and um, between the covers. Bookstore have been so supportive, holding my hand this whole way since it's my first book. They've been so great and they helped me with the launch. And then the library also has been amazing. And they had a launch there and kids are coming. They keep telling me someone came in looking for your book today. And um that, that just makes me so happy. And then the, the Telluride um, school has been really wonderful in trying to help me get this into the hands of kids. And, um, and basically, the proceeds from this book are going are funding the nonprofit organization, a tree planting nonprofit organization called Seas of Trees that my family has started here in Telluride. And our goal is just to get out and plant as many trees as we can. Um, and so sales from this book are feeding into that um, organization so we can buy more trees. We're, uh, we got a thousand trees almost planted this summer with help from Telluride Academy kids and our lady Lorax, Natalie Bowers, who's out there just planting trees, all these trees that we ordered and um, getting them all around the region. So. It really ties in perfectly. It's like a book. I want to help kids edu get educated about the climate crisis if they don't know, you know, how this is affecting their life. And then I want them to get involved and do something. Right now, what we have, that urgency I'm talking about is like get a tree in the ground. That's something you can do. Get your hands in the earth, plant a tree, water it, watch it grow. That is helping in the bigger scale. It's something you can do. I don't want these kids to feel helpless like, ugh. Yeah. Gosh, another heat wave. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you mentioned it's it's a young adult, so mm -hmm. it's for, I mean, I guess that's roughly arbitrary definition of what, the, but, you know, for, um, it's a chapter book, it's a thick chapter book for younger people. Yeah. Amazon says it's um, 12 to 15 year old is the reading yeah. age, but uh, I just gave it to a four year old today who was very excited to see a female superhero on the cover and her mom is going to be reading it to her and her seven year old brother. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, and so on that note, I mean, even in, at, in, at the end of the book in an author's note, there's definitely um, with Jill and Abby, we were talking about like little calls to action. There's yeah. this one, not little, very much call to action. <laughs> Get up Please, and do something. Please do something. And so yeah how where do you hope this book lives or grows or morphs into for the young people who are reading it um i've always wished that it grows in um the schools in the curriculum that science teachers or reading teachers or uh any teacher uh get hands this book to their class and said let's let's read this together and let's talk about it uh, and that already started happening at the telluride school it also um started happening in santa barbara at waldorf school one teacher just took it on as her final curriculum she was teaching her seventh and eighth graders about climate change she's like perfect this is our textbook so um that's where I hope that it get it penetrates into the school systems all across the country, and it's not taboo to talk about this. There's nothing racy in here. There's nothing, th and it's all science backed. So I I think even though it's more like lessons on like how we can uh, use alternatives and fossil fuels, and we can change the way we're uh, functioning as a society and the whole infrastructure how it's built now, uh, it's not it's not like political at all. So I do hope any kind of kid um, and their parents can read this and see, oh, wow, yeah, that is happening. And yeah, there is a call to action in the back of the book. There's some things you can do at home, you know, that helps combat climate change. But um, really it's gonna take that generation, this generation of kids coming up to really care enough to make this uh, something important that they address in their lifetime. We can't, like, turn a cheek to it anymore. It's right in front of our faces, yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly to our last conversation, our time is almost over. Wow, which we talked for 20 minutes. I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I know very much how we talked for 20 minutes. I can't believe it's already been that long. Um, but, Joanna, before we take off, we do need to let folks... If they are interested in Eco Queen and learning more about this, 
where should they go to, to get this book? Well, of course they should walk down Main Street and walk right into Between the Covers and say hi to Diva and Bobby and say, I would love Joanna Kana's new book, Eco Queen. I hear great things about it, so get it there. They've been so awesome. Um, I got my first uh, my first royalty check. <gasps> Look at you And go. that's happening. You know, people are walking into bookstores and asking for it. You can get it at any bookstore in the world. You can also get it on Amazon, but we're trying to direct people to go to buy it on IndieBound if uh, they want to buy it online because that is a, now a competitive website that... Um, is an alternative to Amazon where you can buy it right through your local bookstore online. But the best is to just walk into that awesome bookstore we have on Main Street and, and pick up your copy there. Amazing. <laughs> um, well, Joanna Kano, thank you so much for being here chatting about Eco Queen. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh on my a God, long Julia, time coming. Thanks for asking me to come. This has really fired me up. Oh, we're happy to have <laughs> you. We're going to go out on a song that you selected, Steel Pulse, Global Warrant. Warning. Oh, global warning. Um, yep. which Sorry, I had feels, to throw the reggae in there, but listen to the fitting. lyrics. It's a good one. Good thing I'm a DJ, too. I could come up with that in one second. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back. You are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. We will be back in one moment with our final author of the evening. It's gone by so quickly. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Make a change, yeah. Today, that's what I said, that's what I said. Change it, change it, change it, change it, change it, by Steel Pulse. You are tuned into KOTO Telluride. This is Julia Caulfield, and I am here speaking with local authors, although our final guest, who has made it a note of it again, you did not write the book we're talking about. Correct. But yes. you are the, um, you compiled it, you put it all together. I am joined by Glenn Steckler, who wrote, or didn't write, mm -hmm. compiled um, Stories from the Age of COVID, which came out late last year, or what is time? When did this come out specifically? Well, you know, um, in the book it says uh, the copyright is late last year, but this just came together uh, this spring. So it was released at the end of April. Yeah. Can you um, give a quick overview of, of what this book is? Sure. It's a collection of stories, poetry, artwork, some photography, essays, uh, journal entries, just an assortment of works that were put together during the COVID pandemic. And it's a reflection of that time from people from all over the country and even some uh, people from outside the country. Yeah. You know, obviously we were all going through the pandemic at the same time, more or less, obviously it was kind of staged or tiered a little bit, depending on what part of the world you're in. But when we were just like in it, lockdown, all those sorts of things, just fully experiencing it. What what inspired you to say, 
we need to gather these stories. We need to collect these um, memories and these experiences in in a book to hold on to into the future. Yeah, I feel like there were three main impetuses to putting this together. Uh, one is that my father is 87 years old, lives by himself in Virginia Beach, and he was feeling very isolated and not a little bored. And so this was a way to engage him across the miles of the country and do a project together that we felt like would have some meaning. We thought, secondly, that it could be an opportunity for people to write their thoughts and to receive some sort of therapeutic benefit from that, because I think we were all going through a difficult time in our own individual ways and, again, didn't have a way to connect with other people. So it was a way to give uh, the authors an opportunity to share how they were feeling and then lastly, we thought that we would do it as a benefit, as a charity fundraiser, and donate all the uh, royalties, all the proceeds um, after cost to the local food bank here in San Miguel County, and also where my father lives in Virginia Beach. Yeah. How did you go about collecting the stories that are in the book? Yeah, so it was um, quite a process, and it took quite a few months as well. Um, it was word of mouth and networking through family and friends, of course, social media. Uh, thankfully, Kodo put a uh, notice up on the calendar about it. And uh, we had a couple of stories in the um, Daily Planet that helped us solicit some um, submissions. But, but really, uh, my whole family went out and just started contacting everybody they knew. That's fantastic. Do you have any sort of background in like collecting and editing books and putting them into or stories and putting them into books? Well, from a long time ago, yes. Uh, my father has been a publisher most of his working life, worked at Gernsback Publications, and that was the son of Hugo Gernsback, which the famous Sci-Fi Hugo Award is named after. And he worked for a number of magazines through Gernsback, and he and I, after I graduated college, worked on a short stories magazine called Modern Short Stories. And so we did have some experience uh, soliciting works and uh, putting together collections of authors' works. What was it like um for you having maybe not done it for for a little while or a bit of time to kind of jump back into it especially on something that was so maybe emotional for people or kind of like just like this huge thing that's going on that this is the moment that you decide jumping back in i'm gonna edit a collection of stories for a book yeah i won't lie it was pretty intimidating um and once we started, you know, I was almost hesitant to start because I felt like once we started, that's it. We got to finish. And so to go out and start collecting the stories and, like you say, start hearing some very personal accounts of people, people's lives, uh, there's some, some heartbreaking entries in the book. There's also a lot of joy and happiness in the book, but people are really sharing their innermost thoughts. And people to do that for us was an honor. We felt super grateful that people would come forward and make this book happen. Yeah, it is. So the book is kind of categorized into several different sections um, that go from, you know, work to loss um, and uh, what are some, like holidays. Um, just I liked the one at the end was like musings, which I just enjoyed <laughs> as like, that's a cat. Musings is a category of yeah. life. Um, how did you, you know, once you have all these stories, as you mentioned, you have some really personal maybe experiences from people go through and, and kind of figure out, because even though it is a, a collection of different stories there, I assume there is also, um, you're thinking about what the kind of the through line is or the rise and fall of the book. Um, how did you start going about and kind of in that process creating that, I guess, that musicality that, that goes throughout the book in terms of the stories? Yeah, well, thank you for noticing that. Um, I, I feel like the themes sort of developed organically once we started receiving a number of submissions. And what 
I wanted to see done was, like you say, a musicality. I didn't want to put all the poetry in one place, all the short stories in another, all the artwork in another. So what I like is the pace of the book kind of varies between the different mediums and the different submissions that people gave us. So it does create a little bit of a, a musicality as it as you read through. And I, I joke that it's a perfect bathroom book because everything in it is about a 30 second read to maybe a five or seven minute read and you know so you can go back to the book over and over again and pick up where you left off and I think there's something new to be seen each time you pick it up and it is 250 pages almost so there is a lot of material there to delve into is there some is there one this is hard especially as you mentioned it's not a mm. not a small book there's a lot of different um, pieces in there of varying length. Is there one that just really one or maybe two that really stick out to you as like ah this is this encapsulates what the book is? Hmm, that's a good question. I think a local author here, Justin Criado, over at the Daily Planet, he has three pieces in the book, and for me, he in he captured the openness that we were looking for. He really just threw it all out on the table. This is what I'm going through. These are my experiences. And a couple of things he wrote, one was a snapshot of him traveling through DIA airport. Um, there was another that was a series of journal entries and it really just puts you in the moment. And I thought that his works really spoke to the time that we all lived through. Yeah, always love to give a shout out to our fellow news, our fellow newsies over the yeah. Daily Planet. <laughs> um, what surprised you in putting this book together? Hmm. Yeah, it was, I, I guess it was a lot more work than I thought it would be. And um, collaborating from 2,000 miles away with someone presented challenges. But I think we both had our weaknesses and strengths that we brought to the project and it was a bit of a surprise to me sometimes that um my dad would catch me on things and i would catch him on things and i think that that balance uh helped us to create a book that would not be half as good with just one of us working on it do you think your relationship with your dad changed over the course of putting this book together? We're getting, we're kind of like veering <laughs> off a little bit, but I'm now curious. Yeah, well, he might, um, he might find me a little more frustrating than he used to. I don't know. Um, no, I think um, we'd been in touch so much over the years that I, I would guess that it just kind of strengthened our relationship and that we were really working on a project together and it, yeah, brought us closer together than we probably had been uh given how far away we live from each other yeah um kind of looking forward but saying that you know this kind of maybe dipped your toes in the water a little bit again after a number of years of not really working in this cultivation of stories do you think that is there another book on on the horizon is it something that you're waiting for inspiration to strike i don't know I don't know. I don't have any ideas at the moment. This had a specific purpose, so maybe it is a matter of the right inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so we are nearing the end of our time. Um, and we have, as we mentioned, there's a number of local um, authors who are both local and from uh, across the country and world you you mentioned. Um, I'm wondering if we can, do you mind reading a small excerpt, recognizing that these are not necessarily your words sure. that, that you're reading, but is there is there a excerpt or a poem, short story that you would like to share for us this evening? Sure. Um, yeah, there's one poem in here actually from Diva over at Between the Covers that I thought was absolutely beautiful and really ties into the Telluride experience as well. This is called Fathom. Safe distance, they say, the length of a ski, the depth of a coffin. Fear lives within that fathom, while aloof aloofness is all the rage. 
displayed like seashells on a beach. Six feet apart, they say, 12 inches for each of our senses, each clicking into focus, each into chaos and quiet and the home cooked, our sense of touch washed away with soap for 20 seconds. I just want to kiss my fiance, not back long enough to risk it. May there be spaces in your togetherness, Gilbrand said. May there be wellness in our isolation, he might add. The length of a ski, the depth of a coffin, safe distance, they say. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Did you notice, um, recognizing that there are both, there, as we just literally just said, local authors, authors from other parts, of how people's writings looked different or sounded different based off of where they physically were coming from, where they were ex uh, experiencing this pandemic. Did you notice kind of what those differences or maybe similarities were? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that strikes me is a urban-rural divide. People's concerns in a city or a suburban setting were much different from the concerns that we had here. And also the ways that you could cope were much different as well. And I think there's a real difference in that experience. And therefore we see so many people wanting to come to Telluride right now. Yeah, I read, um, I'm gonna forget who the author was, but it was uh, uh, not a short story because it felt true of, of this person's experience, um, but working on a farm. And it, I was actually really impressed. It's maybe like four pages long. And you mm. didn't even really touch on, like the, the author didn't even really touch on the pandemic much at all. And it was kind of like in bursts, which I thought yeah. was really interesting. I was like, you know, the story about someone's experience of COVID and being on a rural farm, almost it wasn't, it didn't show up in a lot of different ways, which I thought was really interesting and, and really cool. Yeah, that was uh, by Tony Durrani yes. over in the Norwood area. And, and yeah, that's a really interesting observation because it, it sort of was almost like on the edges of the farm, kind of kind of reaching in a little bit, but but there was a boundary there. You know, there was uh, an ability to separate there. Yeah, um, we are at our time just nearly, but I do want to ask, where can folks, if they want to read this book, if they want to um, hear more about about what was going on, um, where should folks go to to try and find it? Sure. Um, there's a few different ways that you can get a hold of the book uh, between the covers. Uh, Diva has it for sale at the bookstore. Uh, so that's a great local way to um, support a few different causes here. And then it is for sale on Amazon and also barnesandnoble.com. Um, the other thing I wanted to just throw out there is you can always contact me direct and I'm happy to either sell you a book or really the whole goal of the book is to raise money for the food bank so if someone wants to show me proof that they gave a minimum of 20 or 25 dollars to the local food bank i would be happy to give you a book amazing why was it why again this seems like a question with an obvious answer because we all know but what was it about the food bank that you were uh, really wanting to to donate to with with this book well, my wife and I over the years have always supported the food bank, and I feel like it is the ultimate in necessities. Y you can't do much else with your life if you don't have food and you don't have housing. And so I felt like we could make the biggest difference and the biggest difference in people's basic needs by making it a benefit for the food bank. Amazing. Well, Glenn Steckler, thank you so much for, for being here today. Um, you compiled edit and edited the stories from the age of COVID with your father. And we really appreciate you being here and chatting a little bit about it. And I can't believe it's gone by so quickly, but, but here we are. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to be on. All right. We're going to go out with a song this one folks who listen to me on the radio know that i am a fan of country um and this is felt fitting it's called six feet apart by luke combs thank you everybody who tuned in to off the record this evening uh we'll be back next week with more 
and plenty of music, of course, coming up in the hours to come. Glenn, thank you so much for being here this evening. Thank you. My pleasure. Dogwood start to bloom and the crickets hum the tune. That's usually about the time that I feel most alone. But the news has all been bad, and the whole world seems so sad. I ain't had much else going on, so I sat down and wrote this song. I miss my mom, I miss my dad. listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment, and in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas.